Hey, welcome to our series, Problem of God, where we're answering big questions about faith. Is God real? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is the Bible really God's word? We hope you'll join us for each and every one of these discussions as we continue traveling through Acts. Before you log off, don't forget to fill out that connection card. You can do it at branchlife.church and stay through the end of the talk today where I've got some more important information for you. We hope that this series helps answer some of life's big questions. And thanks again for joining us for The Problem of God. today as we worship together in now three services, 9 o'clock, 10.30, and 6.30 p.m. So if you're ever busy on a Sunday morning or just it got too late on Saturday night, you always now have that 6.30 option. And uh, thank you for helping us get the word out. We're in the middle of a series that we're calling The Problem of God, and we're just looking at the reality of a very real, very important questions that skeptics ask as we continue traveling through our journey today. You had, as you came in, a piece of paper that was placed on every single one of your uh, chairs. I want you to grab that paper, and I want you to grab a pen. I'm going to preach so short today that it's going to fit on this notepad uh, right here. It'll all be right there. This is all you need to write on. No, that's not what's happening with this card, and I never promise to preach short. Amen? Yeah, amen. Okay, so uh, good things take time, right? That's what they say. Good things take time. So better with age, all that stuff. Now, here's what I want you to do with this card. No questions asked. I want you to take the pen that you grabbed, uh, whatever pen it is, and I simply want you to start marking up the card. Whether you do little dashes or little dots, that's up to you. You can do big dots uh, or big dashes, but just take this white piece of paper and start marking it up in any random order you like. And you can fill it up a lot. You can fill it up a little. It doesn't really matter uh, what you do with that. Just start marking. And as we go on with our discussion today, we're going to talk about uh, these marks. And you can continue to mark throughout the morning or you can uh, stop marking at any time today. Uh, we will eventually get to a time of communion today and then these, these papers will come back into play when that happens. If you're joining us on the live stream, you can grab a random piece of paper and go through this same exercise and I hope it will have meaning to you. I want to pause and just thank everyone for your prayers personally for our family this week. My wife was in Michigan and I was alone with my kids and that was terrible, right? We, we made it. That wasn't the bad part. That was the good part. I love my kids most of the time. Uh, we, we were with the kids. My wife went to Michigan to be with my sister-in-law. Several weeks ago, I mentioned that my brother-in-law, who's my age, uh, at the young age of 44, uh, had found that he had some spots on his brain. And they were doing tests on those spots, and they did tests throughout his body. And what we found out over the course of the last week is that he does have a stage four melanoma, melanoma, and it's in his brain, his lung, his liver, and his pancreas. So uh, this week, we put that information out publicly. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law did that. Many of you have commented. You've reached out to them personally, even though you don't know them. And they live up in Michigan. Uh, they are dear to us. They're Jenny and Christy, our sisters, they talk basically every day. Uh, but I know this, that they are even more dear to our God and Heavenly Father, and that he loves them more than I ever could. And, and I just want you to think this morning about this simple reality of the brevity of life. And a week ago or two weeks ago, when you would have said to my, my brother-in-law, hey, how are you feeling? He'd be like, I'm good. I'm strong. He, he'd be able to work out with me today in the garage in our, in our home gym. We'd be able to go for a jog. He drove to Florida this past week to do some construction work that was already pre-planned. And even amidst the immunotherapy, he's, he's feeling rather healthy and well. 
But then to go into the doctor's office because of some migraines and to come back and to say, no, you, you actually are not healthy. You are not well. You have a significant problem that needs to be addressed today. He found out on Thursday that they had this diagnosis of cancer. On Friday, they started the treatments immediately. And as a father of six and, and as a young man, of course, you get that diagnosis and you think, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what our journey is going to be like. But we do know this from now on, because of this problem, the journey changes. And whenever you're faced with a significant problem, you always have two choices. You can choose to run towards Christ or away from him. And you constantly have that choice on any given day, run towards Christ or want to run away from him. If you would take kind of this piece of paper and you would compare it to the scans that my brother-in-law went through, he found out that his paper wasn't white, that it was littered with marks, with dots, with spots, which were causing problems in his life. All of us, are living with the exact same spiritual reality. All of us share a, a similar diagnosis that we are marked on the inside with a problem that is so great that it can't be ignored. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you've been diagnosed with it or not, we all have the problem of sin. And today we're going to be talking about the reality of sin and why sin is such a problem in our lives. God says in the Bible that our hearts are dark with sin and, and sin has entered into this world. As a matter of fact, through one man, sin has entered the world. Romans 5.12, it says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So also death spread to all men because all sin. This, this sin problem that we all are carrying around in our hearts, these marks that we have, that we have done, that we have been born with, are fatal. It is a terminal diagnosis that all of humanity shares. Now, doing a little bit of research, we see this fact in America today, 67, Amer of, of, uh, 67 of us in America, 67% of us in America today would say that we are sinners. They would agree with the statement, yes, I am a sinner. Now, there are many ways to say that sentence. Here's one of them. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Bring it on, <laughs> right? Sin is fun. Yeah. I'm down and dirty all the time. Another way to say it is, yes. Yes, I'm a sinner. And, and wherever you fall on the spectrum, the first step into realizing we have a problem is realizing that, yes, we are sinners. And, and in this study that was released uh, through Lifeway, it talks about the uh, Lord having mercy on 67% of us. Out of the 67%, of Americans who say that they are sinners, 28% of them would say that they're depending on Jesus Christ to overcome that sin. 34% of them would say, I'm working on being less of a sinner. And 5% would say, yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> yeah, I am. And I'm going to keep on sinning, right? And then if you break it out into a couple other categories, you kind of, it's interesting to, to see how people think about sin and, and what the different opinions of sin are. As we go through our study this morning, we're going to answer this question, what is the problem with sin? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 13. And if you're following along in your journals, in Acts chapter 13, uh, we're, we've been around pages 78 and, 70, uh, 78 and 80. And that's, again, where we're going to be over these next couple of days like to let, I like to welcome Austin to the front seat. Super awkward, man. Yeah, totally like you're right this close. <laughs> I see you, you see me. It's, it's like the spit zone. So I was Austin's youth pastor back in the day. I can tease him. All right. So page 78, if you've written on page 78, you might want to use page 80 to follow along. 
Uh, but just starting in verse 35, remember that the Apostle Paul is standing in front of a crowd of skeptics. And the Apostle Paul is trying to convince these skeptics to stop believing what they believe and to start believing that Jesus is Lord. And that's a challenge. And, and of course, we've got good and big important questions that we need to answer. And in this discussion, he's already talked about the reality of God. Last week, we talked about the reality of Jesus being God, Jesus being God's son, and why that is a big deal that Jesus was sent to us as God's son is because of the reality of sin. Sin is our shared problem. And so quickly in his discussions, in every discussion, he starts saying, I've got some bad news. You've got a diagnosis. That's a problem. And in Acts chapter 13, in verse 35, he says, therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. That's a prediction about the Messiah. Verse 36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and he was laid with his fathers and he saw corruption. But he who God raised up, the resurrected one, Jesus Christ, he who God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, the one who raised from the dead, forgiveness of What's the next word? Sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything with which you could not be freed by the law. Beware, therefore, lest it is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish, for I am doing a work in your day, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells you. I think about my brother-in-law, and if, if he went to the doctor and the doctor said, listen, you've, you've got cancer and we're going to need to start addressing it. And he said, I don't believe you. I don't think it's true. I'm feeling pretty okay. I'm going to be fine. We all understand that wouldn't go well. Humanly speaking, barring uh, medicine, barring divine intervention, that cancer, no matter what kind of cancer, is terminal. Like that, That's a terminal prognosis. And, and what Paul is saying to every listener is he's saying, listen. Don't become a scoffer. Yes, be skeptical. You've got to ask these questions. But don't become a scoffer. And don't be one of those people that are predicted before in the Old Testament to hear this news and say, no, sin is not actually a problem. According to our stats, there's 67% that believe sin is an issue or sin is reality. What about the 43% that don't? 33%? Where's my math? What about the 33% that don't? They're the scoffers. They're, they're the ones that say, no, this can't be true. Now, when he delivered this bad news message, this bad news, good news, right? There is sin, but Jesus came for forgiveness of sin. In verse 42, it said, and they went out and the people begged that these things might be told to them again the next Sabbath. And after the meeting broke up, the devout Jews and, and converts to Judaism or to Christianity followed Paul and Barnabas as they spoke with them and continued to urge them in the grace of God, a God who loves even sinners. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You ever think about that? Why did everybody come to hear this message? Because everybody realized that there is a potential problem that they all share, that they all are holding on to. And they need to see if this problem is a reality. And if it's a reality, we got to see together how to do it. So the entire, the entire town came out, much to the chagrin of the scoffers and the religious leaders that were trying to hold on to their old system. So much so that they started a campaign against Paul and Barnabas, which would happen regularly in the book of Acts. And in verse 47, it says, For, So if the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, remember we talked many becoming one last week, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And many were appointed to eternal life. They believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews, the devout 
women of high standing, the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution. So verse 51, and Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off from their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. They went to another town. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, even amid persecution. God, as we seek to understand the teaching from this passage and others this morning, we pray, Lord, not only would you help it make sense to our heads, but God would receive it in our hearts. Lord, would we meet with you in this moment, in this room, in the rooms that we're watching online from. God, would we experience your presence and understand the fullness of your grace in every one of our lives today. In your precious only name we pray, amen. As we think about what, the pro- what is the problem with sin, we first want to point out two things. The problem is sin corrupts, corrodes, and kills. The problem with sin is it corrupts, it corrodes, and it kills. In 1335, as we read, it said, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. God predicted from the beginning of time that when sin broke this world, he would send his son who would not know this corruption. He would not know this death. He would not know this sin. He'd be the only sinless one in all of creation. And then to just prove his point, he said, for David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. How many people die? Everyone dies. Whether you're a king or whether you're a servant, whether you're a president or whether, or whether you're a peon, right? Whether you're a business owner or whether you're an employee, whether you're a coach or whether you're a team member, right? Men, women, children, old, young, we all die. And we all see this corruption. We all see this death. And, and we have this very reality. And in this passage, it's clear as you read it that the Apostle Paul is not saying to this crowd, you're all going to die and that's just going to be the way it is. He's saying to this, this entire crowd, we all have this corruption already inside of us. Yes, a physical death is going to take place and we're all going to see it. But we all have a spiritual death that's taking place inside of it but and then this is but whenever he says but whatever he says there's a problem but right like there's there's good news coming but god but jesus but he who god raised jesus did not see this corruption he doesn't see it he doesn't experience it he doesn't face it you see the problem with sin is it corrupts and it kills here's three things three categories that we understand sin penetrates in all of our lives through other teachings in scripture. First, sin corrupts and kills our physical bodies. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter one, when the first sin took place, Adam disobeyed God. She ate of the the fruit of the tree. He ate of the fruit of the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. So did Eve. It said to them, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. It's interesting that they ate that apple, that they committed the original sin, And they didn't drop over dead. But what physically started happening in that moment? These two, Adam and Eve, who were created to live eternally with God, began the process of death and corruption. They immediately started physically dying. They had this this promise from God, this curse that came through sin. That now, someday, death for them would be a reality. And because of this sin, death has entered the entire world, as we already read. In Romans chapter 3, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, the result of sin, the paycheck of sin is death. Physical death in our bodies. Death is a horrible thing. Death is, is awful. We all experience it. We all grieve through it. We've all seen it. We've all been a part of it. Death is a result of sin entering this world. Sin corrupts and, and corrodes our world. In Romans chapter 13, 10, it says, love is doing not wrong to your neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, if it was a sinless world that we lived in, we would be very good at loving God and loving your neighbor. Amen? Like we would just do that really well. How's that going, world? Not not so good, 
right? Russia and Ukraine, not getting along very well at the moment. Not a lot of love going on there. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of murder. This is such a problem, right, that this, we weren't naturally fulfilling this week. This broke our world, that God gave us the Ten Commandments to try to give us some guidelines, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Have no other gods before me. How you doing with that? It, those, those two are tough enough, right? Then he, then he said, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What? How you doing with that? Then he said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Oh, man, oh, man. Don't murder. Well, okay. Don't even hate. Uh, don't, don't commit adultery. Well, all right, I'm doing all right. Don't even look at somebody. Man. Don't steal. Don't, don't covet. Right? Don't lie. I mixed up the last two if you're keeping track. All to say this. You can't keep the law. No matter how hard you try to love God and love your neighbor, you can't do it. Why? Because our world is broken. Because sin has entered this world. And we fail at this over and over and over again. And all you got to do is turn on the news, and it's on at any moment of the day. Thank the Lord. And you can start watching all of the bad things that are happening in this world. All of the horrible things that people are doing to each other. All of the disasters that are taking place. All of the, why, why is there cancer? Why is there disease? Why is there... Disaster because sin corrupts, it corrodes, and it kills. It's killed our bodies, it's corrupting our bodies, it's killed our world, and it's corrupting our world. My brain and the way I think is messed up because of sin. My heart and the way I feel affections is messed up because of sin. My, my, my emotions are messed up because of sin, and all of us are, and that is multiplied throughout our entire world. Sin corrupts. Sin also corrupts our spiritual lives. And while the other two are bad, <laughs> you'd be like, wait, what's worse than death? Well, let me tell you. While the other two are bad, the disruption to our spiritual lives because of sin is much, much worse. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, after Adam and Eve had sinned, it says that God showed up in the garden to walk with them like he always did. They had perfect unity. They had perfect fellowship. They had, they had fun together. They played charades and named animals and did all kinds of fun stuff. Like, they just enjoyed life. They ate incredible grass. I don't, you know, I don't, think, I don't think they killed the cows. I don't know. You are cow. You are now cow patty, right? You know? God's like, all right. You know? That was, they just were doing life together. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Let me read that again. Man and his wife, Adam and Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Because of sin, they didn't want to even be in the presence of God. They didn't want to be next to the Almighty. They didn't want to be next to the all-knowing. They didn't want to be next to the all-powerful. Did they, did they fear retribution? Did they have those feelings of guilt and shame? Were they embarrassed by what had taken place? Were they hoping they could get away with it without him knowing? And the answer is yes to all of the above. And every single one of us know that experience of trying to hide our sin, of being ashamed of being with the person we love the most. You, you know when your kid, you, you know when your kid, right? Even worse, the dog. When I come home from the house, from, from being out, right? And we walk in the door. If the dog is not there going, I am so happy to see you. You're my favorite person in the whole world. I know he did, so, she did something wrong, <laughs> right? She'll, she'll come in and we'll come in like this, right? And the tail's down. And I'm like, why are you not happy to see me? What did you do? <laughs> yeah? That's this. That's this. Sure enough, we find that she opened a bag of chips and ate the whole thing, right? And tore it up all over the floor. And when we don't want to spend time with God, God doesn't have to go, now what did you do? Why don't you want to, why don't you want to go to worship? Why don't, why don't you want to be around other Christians? Why don't, want to, why, don't, why don't you want to spend time with me? What are you ashamed of? What have you done? He already knows. 
Because sin in its original state has brought division between us and God. That which is corrupt, that which is unholy, that which is dirty, cannot be in the presence of that which is clean. It is then therefore no longer clean. And God is holy. God is perfect. God is spotless. God is pure. And so when we are impure, it causes this disruption in our relationship and our connection with God. And in Psalm 66, 18, it says, if I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, if I guard it, if I capture it, if I hold it there, if I keep holding on to this sin and I hold that in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He will not hear me. He will not listen to my call. That's devastating. That's, that's, Lord, I want you to take me to heaven, but I want to ignore my sin. Nope. Not going to happen. My son sinned several times this week. <laughs> Believe it or not. Pastor's kids, am I right? I now own three dollars because I'm using him in an illustration. But I said, I, I, we have a couple of rules. Don't take food from the pantry because it's mostly junk food without asking, right? Don't get on your iPad till after the chores are done. I literally came into the kitchen and he was on his iPad, not doing chores, eating food from the pantry. <laughs> three in one, right? We were having such a good day. Do I care that he ate a fruit roll-up at 7.30 at night? Not really. Do I care that he disobeyed the request that I had made? Yes. Very much so. Does that interrupt our relationship? Absolutely. So when I sit down and I talk to my son and I say, son, you've, you've broken this rule and it's less about fruit roll-up. It's more about can I trust you? It's more about will you listen to the instructions of your father? And until you listen to the instruction of your father and you make a request, I'm, I'm not going to hear it. And I literally said, ask me if you can go play Fortnite. And he's like, can I go play Fortnite? I said, no. <laughs> you can't. You're off for the night. Why? Sin. I will not hear my son who's regarding iniquity in his heart. And, and that's, that's what God said sin does to all of us. All of this to say this is incredible, powerful truth. When you read the study of God, sin is deadly serious. Sin is deadly serious. So much so in Proverbs chapter 14, 9, the wisdom book, it says only a fool makes a mock of sin. Are you someone who has taken sin seriously in your life? Are you someone who, who regards your sin as serious, as a problem that needs to be treated, something that you need to be addressing on a regular basis? Now, this is the bad news. This is the discouraging facts about sin. And in Acts chapter 13, after giving the bad news in 35 and 36, he says, but he who God raised from the dead did not see corruption. He then brings in the good news, and this is our second truth about sin, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Amen? We have a significant problem, every single one of us, a deadly serious problem in our bodies, in our world, and in our lives, and that problem is sin, yet, but God is offering a way for us to have our sins forgiven. Here's, here's the problem with the way most of us look at sin. We think that we can kind of keep sinning, right, and it's not really going to make a big difference, and we can try to figure it out, and we say, I'm it's just little. It's not a big deal. I'm gonna, I'm, it's fine. It's not a problem. I'm just ignoring a little bit of what God says. I don't care about that kind of teaching, right? I'm just going to sin a little bit. I'm going to neglect gathering together with the saints. I'm, I'm going to tell just a baby lie. And we say, hey, these little sins, God eventually is going to, he'll overlook it. He's going to do it. That, that, that's not it. The problem is we all have sin and it just takes one for us to have an irreversible problem. And there is nothing that you or I can do to try to fix this. It brings us to our second truth, is that the problem with sin is it is unfixable without Jesus. It is unfixable without Jesus. There is no amount of good works that, that can erase even one sin. There's nothing that you can do that will cause this to be fixed. 
But Josh, you can get tape and you can put it back together and it'll look like it's very good. Stop. Stop even trying. The only way you can solve your sin problem is by, by God himself replacing what, it was, what was broken with something that is new. And he's the only one that can do it. So many people try to solve their sin problem by doing more good than bad. Not going to work. So many people try to solve their sin problem by going to confess to a priest. Not going to work. So many people try to solve their sin problem by being religious, by serving the poor and the needy, by giving a little extra few bucks in the, in the offering box on Sunday. Listen, not going to work. The only way, the only way to have what is broken fixed is through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is offered freely to each and every one of us. You see, the truth is that Jesus saves and redeems what sin corrupts and kills. From the moment sin entered this world, God started predicting the, the solution to the problem, the antidote to the diagnosis. And he said, it's going to be my son on earth. Jesus saves and redeems our physical bodies. But the gift of God is eternal life. Your body can live forever in the presence of the Lord. Jesus saves and redeems our world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So many of us think that someday once we die, we're going to land in heaven, right? If we've had our sins forgiven, if we believed in Jesus, and we're going to stay in heaven forever. Do you know that is not true? You are not going to stay in heaven forever? I'm not sure where that came from, but the book of Revelation is super clear. God is going to someday create a new heaven and a new earth. You see, our earth is torn and it's broken, but God is someday going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and the new heaven and the new earth will join together, and for eternity, the followers of Jesus Christ will live on new earth. I have dibs on Montana. I'm going to live by myself in the mountains with a big river, and I'm going to have a shark in my pond, and they're going to, we're going to be friends, and it's going to work that way because we're not broken anymore, and they don't need salt water, and maybe they're on dry land too. I don't care because they're going to be adorable. <laughs> God's going to fix it, and we're, he's going to be the light, and he's going to be the sun, and we're going to be in his presence, and we're not going to hide from each other. We're going to have perfect fellowship. It's not a choir service in the sky for all eternity. It's new life. In a new world that God loves because he's created it this way, free from sin, free from death, free from disaster, new. And Jesus is going to save and redeem our spiritual lives. Amen? But God, for God, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Where you once were hidden and apart from God, you can now be unified with God because the cross covers our sin. His righteousness becomes our righteousness, and now we can stand holy and pure in the presence of a holy and pure God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 and 9 says, for by grace you've been saved and raised up with him and he seats us with him, with him together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one will boast. The question this morning is simply this, are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? Romans 3.23 clearly states, for all have sinned. If you're a sinner, and you are, if I'm a sinner, and I am, we have a terminal diagnosis. We have spots on our hearts that must be cleansed. And there is nothing that we can do to cleanse them. 
but God. But God and his love for us. But God and his grace for us makes a way for our sin to be cleansed. I want to read this article from you from a lady I've never met. She starts it off with this verse. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. She says this, I grew up going to a church that acknowledged the sinful nature of humanity. Our pastors didn't shy away from preaching the biblical concept of sin and how often all of the problems in this world, in our hearts, in our families, and in our relationships are a result of our sinful nature, are a result of the fallen state of mankind. And this has become something that I am incredibly grateful for because I learned right from wrong. I learned righteousness from wickedness. I learned godly from fleshly. I learned wise from foolish. I learned hope for sinners. Conversations about sin usually make us feel uncomfortable or shameful or guilty. But when I look to scripture and I read what Jesus talked about with sin, he never caused shame or guilt. He invited people to repentance and deliverance and righteousness. That same invitation is available to each of us today. When I bring up sin, I aim to do so in the same way that Jesus did because sin hurts us. Sin hurts our loved ones. Sin destroys our lives. And we can give sin free reign. We cannot pretend that the promises or the legislations or the staying positive will ever answer anything that's wrong in our lives. The answer is to repent and to sin no more. Just as Jesus instructed time and time again when he walked this earth over 2,000 years ago, Galatians 5.16, but I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Repentance, repentance simply means to admit you're wrong and your sinful habits and thoughts and turn away from them. Repentance is a choice empowered by the Holy Spirit that we can make to stop living for ourselves in our flesh, but start walking in the spirit. Deliverance then is to be set free from the bondage of sin and death. And righteousness is us being able to live for Jesus in the kingdom and not trying to achieve our own agenda. When we talk about sin, our natural reaction is to feel guilt and shame. But we're not here today to say live in that guilt and shame. We're here to say, repent. We're here to say, be redeemed. We're here to say, be freed. To go and sin no more. The first step is to say, yes, I am a sinner. And I need to be freed from my sin. If you, if you believe you're a sinner, do you believe that Jesus alone can forgive you your sins? And Romans 5.19 says, for, for by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, but here's how the rest of the verse goes. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you your sins, today in these moments, I want to invite you to do just that. Say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I've been trying to fix it myself. I need to put my faith and trust in you. I need to be made new. And the way you are made new is to be born again. To simply acknowledge your sin. Say, I'm sorry for that. Confess it. Repent of it and tell Jesus that you believe in him, that he died and rose again, and that you want to accept the free gift of salvation. Now, for those of us who are saved, we still have a sin problem because we still mark up our hearts on a regular basis. Being born again saves us from the sin problem we were born with. But our own sin nature, our own flesh, has us revisiting sin over and over again in our lives. And so what do we as believers do? Well, we as believers have been given the sacrament of the communion table. There are only two sacraments in scripture, and this has been confused in many religions. One is communion, and the other is baptism. A sacrament is simply an ordinance or a command or a practice that God has asked us to participate in as a church on a regular basis. And he asks us as a church to participate in communion, why? Because communion gives us an opportunity to do three things. Number one, it's confess. Man, the power of confession. 
For us to have the freedom to walk into the presence of God and say, God, I confess my sin and I'm sorry. In in Corinthians, when they talk about the communion table, it says that each person needs to take time to examine themselves and to see if there's any wicked way in them. And every time we take communion, we go through the self-examination process where we confess our sins. If you're feeling guilty about sin in this moment, Christian, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, Christian, guess what? Right now, today, today in this moment, you can take care of it. And God promises if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has already paid the penalty for that sin. And he wants to shower you with the grace of the cross. And so when we confess our sin, we then remember the death of Jesus on the cross for us. And we remember that by taking the cup that symbolizes his blood and eating the bread that symbolizes his body that was broken for us on the cross. And when we do that in public, we proclaim to everyone that Jesus saved me, that Jesus died for me and for you. Communion often allows us to now have a fresh start, to go and sin no more. That's why I love when couples who are getting married do communion in their ceremony. Because at the very start of their wedding, they're right before God and each other. They're starting off on the best foot. So communion gives us this chance to practice confession. You don't need to wait for communion to do confession. You can do that every day, and I do, believe me. But being able to take it, this step in adding remembrance and proclamation are powerful. So for the rest of our service today, We want to invite you into moments of confession. We're not going to rush this. We're going to sing through this. We're going to pray through this. We're going to read scripture through this. And we hope that you will do business with God this morning. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I want you to simply have that conversation with God. God, today I want to accept you as my personal Savior. And just talk to God about that. But if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to participate in this communion time. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song called His Mercy is More. And during that song, you can worship through that song and you can pray that prayer of confession as we sing that song together. I want you to think about this card. And on this card, you put down marks. Self-written dark marks on this white paper. And just hold this paper as a remembrance, as a representation of the marks in your heart the sins in your life that you need to confess and name them before the Lord during these songs and during this prayer of confession. At some point during the song, I want to invite you to take that card, simply fold it up and bring it to one of the communion stations and drop it off. Drop off your sins. Drop off your burdens. Drop off your cares. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. Pick up his body and his blood that was broken for you and bring it back to your chair. If you've already collected the the elements, you're certainly welcome to drop off your card anyway. But the symbol that this represents as we go through this singing, this practice of confession, is saying, God, I'm laying down my sins at the foot of the cross, and I'm picking up Jesus. Let's do that together as we sing.
What patience would wait as we constantly run? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger of kindness he lavished on us his blood was the payment his life was the cost we stood neath the dead we could never afford our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the Read these passages together as the music plays in the background. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Galatians 5, 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you by testing may discern what God's will is, his good and acceptable and perfect will. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Let a person therefore examine himself. Then, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats of, or drinks of the cup without discerning his body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray a prayer of confession together? God, as a people of God, as a family of God, as a church family, Lord, we bow our heads in humble recognition of our sin. Lord, we have missed the mark in so many ways. 
Lord, we've fallen short of your desire for us, of your plans for us, of your design for us. We've fallen short of, of acknowledging your presence in our lives, of being grateful for the many blessings that you've showered upon us. Lord, today we confess that we easily complain. Lord, that, that we easily are ungrateful. God, that we will choose bitterness over forgiveness. God, that we hold on to judgment of others. Lord, we easily confess that we depend on ourselves instead of depending on you. God, we confess our doubt. Lord, we confess our weaknesses. God, we confess our intentional choices that dishonor you. Lord, whether we've broken a commandment, told a lie, used words we shouldn't use, lose our temper, give in to the temptation of lust. Lord, whether it's a, a love of money, God, we ask for all of these sins and others that are unnamed in this moment for your forgiveness. God, we've fallen short of loving you with all of our heart, souls, and mind. God, we've fallen short of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Will you please forgive us? And in the next couple of moments, God, as we personally and individually confess our sins to you, we claim that promise that you will give us forgiveness for what we confess. In the quietness of the moment, before we take this communion, will you name whatever sin God brings to your mind in confession before the Lord? God, we ask you to examine our hearts and reveal to us any wicked way that might be implanted in our spirits now. We bring this prayer of confession to you. God, thank you for hearing our prayers. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins on his body, on the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. First Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sin, so the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but of everlasting life. In Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace that with his wounds, we are healed. At the communion table, the first communion table, Jesus was surrounded by his disciples. The night before he died, he took the bread, and I want to invite you to do the same, to take the bread. He broke it. He gave it to each of the disciples, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take this in remembrance of Then in like manner, he took the cup and I'm going to invite you to do the same. He passed it around to the disciples and he said, this is my blood, which is broken, for, which is spilt for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for suffering on our behalf. Thank you for taking the punishment of our sins. Lord, thank you for the healing and the righteousness that your cross brings to us. Lord, we lay ourselves at the altar. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice to you, thanking you, Lord, for making a way for our sin problem to be fixed. God, thank you for forgiving and saving me. In your precious holy name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.
Hey, thanks again for listening through this talk in our Problem of God series, and we hope that the discussion today helped answer some questions that you might have about faith, and that you've taken a step further in your spiritual journey. Before you go, make sure to fill out your connection card at branchlife.church. We'd love to know that you joined us through this video session today. And if you have any questions about what we covered, that's the place to ask those questions. We hope that you'll join us again next time and thanks again for being a part of this series.